Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to dive into the Word. You have some notes. hope you don't mind if, you, if you're of the opinion that a teacher needs to stand. I'm sorry, today my leg isn't working great and it feels like it would do better to sit, so I'm not going to fall over on you. Um, we're going to dive into Ephesians 6, and you have an outline like this, and I would encourage you to pull that out if you'd like, and I just want to read this section of Scripture and talk about it. Lord, highlight your word to us as we read the word, make it come alive and instruct us today, we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. So this is a really well-known passage of Scripture. If you're new to following Jesus, though, it will be brand new to you. This is, a, this is a portion of Scripture that you need to know for your life in Christ. So read on and listen to this instructions from the Lord. What I've done, by the way, in this passage is I've taken two translations and merged them together. So if you're opening your, your written Bible, you'll think something just changed. I have the New International Version and the New Living Translation when I study the Bible, I will often have several of the current translations before me, and sometimes I'll go into, you know, the original languages, too, and look at that, um, to try to understand what, what was meant, what was being said to us, and I compare and contrast, and there was a, something that didn't seem totally clear to me in the one translation that seemed clear in the other, and that's why I've merged them together, in case you're wondering. That's my disclaimer. Here's what the passage says. This probably will sound familiar. Finally... So this is the end, by the way, of a letter that Paul wrote. And can I just comment that it's kind of weird to read a letter in parts. If I sent you a letter, I hope you sit down and read the whole thing and not like read a paragraph once a week for five weeks. It would be confusing, right? So the best way to read this is for you to go home today, open up Ephesians and read the whole letter because it's all one continuous thing. But we don't have time to read the whole letter today. So just this part, the end, finally, after a lot of talk about the family of God, it says this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, evil rulers, and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let me stop before I finish reading and just ask you, what, what jumped out at you in those couple sentences? Say it again loud. The devil's schemes. So there's, there's a devil and he has schemes against us. Good, good. That, I, that's what jumped out at me too. I thought, well, that's interesting. There's a devil and he has schemes. He's scheming to get me. Hmm. What else? Someone, someone said, take your stand. So there's a devil scheming and people of God are supposed to take a stand. What, what did you see, Doug? The strength of the Lord. So it's not my strength that I'm standing in when I take my stand against the devil's schemes, but the strength of the Lord, which is a lot better than my strength. I mean, you know, I'm kind of buff. <laughs> or not. Okay. But, but God, in a spiritual sense, is as buff as they get, right? He is strong. Stand strong in the Lord. The devil's scheming against us. Take your stand. What a good class. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God. So this is one of 
Paul, the guy that's writing this is an apostle sent by God with revelation from God to instruct the church. And he uses in his writings some great metaphors. A metaphor is just a, a comparing this thing with that thing. Now, he's writing while he's in prison under Roman guard. A lot of folks think as he's writing, he looks up and there's a Roman guard in Roman armor. And he looks at the sword and the belt that he has around the sword's in and the, that breastplate. Can you kind of picture that? A Roman kind of gear and a shield that he has and a helmet that he's wearing. The thought is, Paul looks at that and goes, wait, that's like what we can wear spiritually in preparation for the battles that wage against us in the spiritual realm, the devil's scheme. So here's this great metaphor that Christians, followers of Jesus, have studied and tried to put into practice from the beginning of the church 2,000 years ago. And here we go today for us. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil does come, because it's coming apparently, the attacks, the schemes, you, so that when that happens, you may be able to stand your ground. So first we heard stand your ground. Now it says, here's how you prepare yourself. Take on something that I'm going to call the full armor of God. So you can take your stand. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news or the gospel so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these... Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. In this time of warfare, sometimes they would wrap the end of a, an arrow with a type of cloth that they could then dip in pitch, light it on fire, and send a flaming arrow into the enemy camp. You've maybe seen that in uh, movies. Um, scary. The Romans were tough. So this shield of faith will extinguish the fiery darts or the fiery arrows. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So that's kind of all the preparation. And then here's an activity. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Which is what we were just doing, by the way, when we were, when we were praying for people in another nation. That's why we want to practice over and over praying for each other, for those that are farther off, and for those that we may never meet. Prayer is powerful and effective. So I'm just going to walk through a couple of things that stood out to me in this passage of Scripture for our walk in the Lord. And by the way, I felt, you know, I, I, I pray and say, Lord, what do you have to say to our congregation at this time? And, you know, you've, many of you have been with us week after week. We've had a season where we were really diving into an understanding of the presence of God. And we've been experiencing His presence. And then we had a couple Sundays ago, we had um, the, the Lord spoke prophetically, and it was also in the message regarding turning away from things that separate us from God and turning toward God, repentance. And then we followed that up last week with a talk about the grace of God that just engulfs, surrounds, encompasses the act of repentance, how God is the one that draws us to himself and that his grace is such that there's a righteousness he gives us, puts on upon us by faith, not a righteousness of our doing good works, like Lori was talking about when she had that word this morning, but a righteousness that's just a gift from God because of Jesus and through Jesus. And now following on that, we can anticipate that there are schemes of the evil one, the devil, coming against us 
And here's how we can respond to and prepare for those attacks. Y'all with me? This is practical stuff. Even though it sounds kind of spiritual and out there, it's actually very practical for life in the year 2020, right now. So I think the first thing we need to know is that there's a spiritual battle. If you were a bad guy and we're going to attack someone, one of your best things is the element of surprise. You know that, right? You sneak up on someone and attack them, you're going to have an advantage. And one of the devil's lines of attack is to get people to think that he doesn't even exist. Many of you will remember, if you're old like me, a Keith Green song that said, um, it's spoken in the voice of the devil, of his person saying, I used to have to sneak around and hide and only work in the dark, but now I can just come out and do whatever I want anytime I want because no one believes in me anymore. I, I was, as I was thinking about this, I'm remembering um, a movie, again, aging myself. Did anyone ever see The Sting? So I don't remember much about the movie other than I think Paul Newman was in it and maybe Robert Redford, and there was a con job. And one of the things that, that stuck with me all these years, this is a probably bad lesson, but if you're going to con someone, you're successful if as you're ripping them off, they don't even know it. That was the first part. But then the, the second follow-up was you're really a good con artist if after you've ripped them off and they didn't know it, they never even know that you did rip them off. You're such a good con you stole from them and they never even realize it. That's the devil's plan. To get you attacked, to bring down life that you've had in God, to steal that from you, without you ever even knowing that the devil did it. Because what we read was, your battle is not against people, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in high places in the heavenly realms. Paul said, I want you to know, there's actually a whole other world that's invisible. You can't see it. And for people that have grown up in America in the 21st century and gone to our schools, where we are taught over and over by the university system and down into our schools that the only thing that's real is that which can be scientifically measured, we run into trouble here. What? There's a God? No, we can't measure him. What? There's a spirit? No. There's an evil spirit? I don't believe in the devil. That's just old superstition. Or is it? Probably, before you were educated to not believe, you already knew that there was a God and there was a bad guy. In fact, some of you as children encountered evil spirits. They were very fearful. You might have even seen things. Some of you did. I hear the stories. And you didn't want to tell anyone because you, you thought they'd think you're crazy. But it's real. And Paul is saying, when I have conflict with you, that's destroying the things that God values the most, relationship and our love for each other. Very often, I'm foolish if I think that you're the one that I'm in battle with. There's another spiritual force involved trying to steal and rob from us. And Paul says, there's some ways you can prepare for these kinds of attacks. One is to know that they exist. So here's a couple quotes from some, some um, these happen to be two men that are wise and scholarly and know the word well. Philip Jenkins in his book, The Next Christendom, which is a very interesting book I'd recommend to you, says this, if there is a single key area of faith and practice that divides the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere Christians, so we're the northern hemisphere if you're geographically challenged, 
North America. It is this matter of spiritual forces and their effects on the everyday human world. In other words, if you were in the South, probably your world view and your culture would tell you, no, spirits are real. If you're in the North, you're told, no, there is no spirits. So Phyllis Jenkinson is saying, as Christendom is growing into its next phase, you're going to discover that we need to learn in the North what they already know in the South. There is a real spiritual world. This issue goes to the heart of cultural definition and worldviews. Another um, guy, Clinton Arnold, who's a biblical scholar, says at the end of an article, what I'm suggesting, actually this is in a book that he wrote, what I'm suggesting is that we engage in a critical reevaluation of our Western worldview on one important issue, the actual existence of good and evil spirits. We must strive toward making this as important a part of our worldview as it was for the Apostle Paul. The powers of darkness are real. We need to be conscience, conscious of their influence, and we need to respond to them appropriately. So the first thing is we need to know there's a battle. Because if we don't know there's a battle, then the enemy has a huge advantage on stealing from us. We need to know that it's real. The second thing I noticed is something that um, doesn't show up right away in English. And uh, to get here, I, I read all of Ephesians so I'd have it in context when I got to this part. And I noticed something, and then I looked to the original languages to notice something further. So let me say this. If, if I were speaking Spanish, and I used the Spanish version of the word you as in you, you would know whether I was speaking of you individual or you plural. I would say either usted for you singular or ustedes for you plural. Same in Greek. In English, it's one word, you, that means plural or singular. What we miss a lot in Christian, Christianity in English, in our worldview, is that almost all of the word you in the New Testament is you all together, not you individual. In America, we highly value individualism. And so when we read the Bible, we often think of it without thinking that it's talking to me individually and how I'm supposed to respond. Almost always, it's actually talking to you as a group and how you respond as a group. So that affects the interpretation of this. L listen to Ephesians 4.1 using the word you together to help emphasize in English what's happening. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you together as a church to live worthy of the calling you together have received. Hear the difference? You together be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You together make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you together were called. So now read what we just read about the armor of God and the battle we face in this context. The point is, we are in a battle together, and that changes everything. Finally, you together be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You together put on the full armor of God so that you together can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, you together put on the full armor of God. In other words, help each other get dressed for battle so that when the day of evil comes, you together may be able to stand your ground. Secondly, as Doug mentioned, we fight our battles with the Lord's strength and not our own strength. Paul describes this strength at the beginning of this letter when he says, I wish and I pray and I hope that you will understand the, way, the, the power that's at work for you 
like this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his, God's mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated, at him, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. I can have tremendous confidence when I am attacked because together with you, we operate in the power of the resurrection and the enemy has nothing on us at all. He's a defeated foe. We are in Christ and we have the full authority of the power of God available to us. It's the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead. So we need not fear, but we ought to take our stand in that kind of authority and power against all the works of the evil one. And then we prepare for our battle with all this armor. Now, to do this well would take me um, about six weeks to walk through each of these pieces. I'm not going to do that, obviously, today. But I want to mention them just briefly, because then we'll jump into the baptism. We have the youth ready to go look at those guys. How many have we got today, Christian? Six. Six. So, our... Our goal is to get them in the water starting at 11, so we've got about six minutes. So let's walk through these quickly. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. Look at the, look at the words, truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, word of God, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, salvation, and the word of God. So the truth is basically the protection that we have when we have personal integrity. Denial and self-deception are not your friend. If you're an addict and you say, I think I can just do one more, I'll be fine. Denial is not your friend. The, there is such help and safety in personal integrity. Satan is the father of lies. When we enter into dishonesty, deception to others, and deception to ourselves, we're actually partnering with what he does and he has access to our lives, and we've just been stripped of a very essential piece of protective armor in our battle against the devil's schemes. So we want to work and pray and exercise and talk and, and step into integrity. The breastplate of righteousness. So that's what we talked about last week. Our righteousness is a gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If Satan can get us first to try to get our own righteousness or get us to walk down the path of doing what we know is wrong and then believing that we are no longer in God's eyes and his favor because we have sinned and we've lost righteousness, we're defeated. But if we know that I have a righteousness, it's a free gift of God's grace because I have trusted in Jesus, then we have armor that protects us from many of the, of the attacks. The protection of peace. Peace is the prosperity of soul when everything is in right relationship with God and each other. This tremendous, and that's, that gets to this fight in our battles together. When I walk in and live with and understand that God has brought peace to me with him and peace to me with you by the good news of Jesus, it is like armor. The shield of faith, that's a believing, a trusting that perseveres. And I, I, well, just quickly in your notes, the shield of faith trusts God for his help and provision. It perverse, perseveres when difficulty comes. It doggedly believes that God's word is true no matter what happens. 
It determines to rise above the injustices and the pains of life without allowing the flaming arrows, pain and injustice to penetrate my soul, so to speak. Life hurts, but faith looks to God and refuses to give those hurts, hurts a stronghold or a foothold in your heart. And the next, the last one is the helmet of salvation. Notice that it's on your head. And one of the things that salvation does is works on our thought life, the renewing of our mind. Listen, it's very important that you know that all of your thoughts are not all of your thoughts. What do you say? Some of your thoughts come from you. Some of your thoughts come from God. He can speak to you. Some of your thoughts come from Satan and demons. They can speak to you. It's up to you before God to determine where the thoughts come from. In other words, think about what you think about and don't believe everything you think. <laughs> think about what you think about and don't believe everything you think because everything you think isn't true. But everything God thinks is true. So take your thoughts captive. That's a helmet of salvation that will protect you. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, an offensive weapon. That's the protection of God's empowered word. Again, what Lori exhorted us with. Where is Lori? I keep pointing over there. I don't know where she is. Oh, you moved. You're over there. Okay. <laughs> Lori said we need to be in the Word. Why? So that we can wield the Word of God like a sword. If you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, every word that Satan... This is Luke 4. You can read it if you're not familiar with the passage. Luke chapter 3 and 4. Um, Satan would come with a, with a bad word and, and Jesus would say, Oh, maybe, but it is written. And he'd quote the Bible quote the word of God like a sword and just hacked off Satan's head. If we know the word, it's like armor that protects us. There's a battle. We are to stand. We are to stand in the strength of the Lord. There's a devil who has schemes against us. We have available to us something that looks like armor, the truth, righteousness from God, a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, and a sword of the Spirit. Amen. Baptized people, come on down here. This is going to be fun. Baptism, as they're, as they're getting ready, I'll tell you this. Um, baptism is a, is a drama. It's a reenactment of what We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.